Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast of the 13th day of September 2023. Happy Wednesday to you. We're halfway through the week. Halfway to the weekend, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Derek Hunter. I'm your host. Appreciate you listening, downloading, sharing, telling a friend, all that good stuff. And oh, my God, we've got so much good stuff to get to today. God, this 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 media, you just... I understand violence. I don't support violence. But I certainly understand how you just watch some of these people, you listen to some of these people, and you want to just smack them upside the head. You want to do, you just want, at least want to yell at them. I wish some of these people would get a big dose of what they have been forcing on everybody else. The yelling, the screaming, the getting in, chasing people out of public places. You look at that and you recoil in horror because you're not a monster. But they are. And sometimes you've got to use monster tactics to fight monsters. We'll get into all of that and more coming up. We'll talk about impeachment. Oh, yes, there's an impeachment inquiry. The media is wetting themselves. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Joe Biden's stellar record might be tarnished by having an investigation. If Joe Biden is so damned innocent, wouldn't he welcome an impeachment? Would it not? I mean, these are all the things they told us under Donald Trump. An inquiry will clear him, right? If he did nothing wrong, what is he so afraid of? They say that about everybody on the right. This person is pleading the fifth. If they, what do they have to hide? But when a Democrat pleads the fifth, they defiantly plead the fifth. When a Republican refuses a congressional subpoena, they are charged and uh, convicted, accused, convicted. They are in Washington, D.C. It's easy to convict a Republican. When a Democrat denies, defies a uh, congressional subpoena, they are defiantly standing there, just like that guy in front of the tank with his groceries in Tiananmen Square back in 1989. It's the same thing. It is amazing and a miracle, and my goodness, we should praise them for it. Of course, who's going to charge them? Republican administrations don't bother. The Trump administration didn't bother. The Trump administration could have easily gone after Eric Holder. He was held in contempt of Congress. He did defy congressional subpoenas, and moreover, he defied court orders about congressional subpoenas. And they did nothing. You can say, well, uh, man, the attorney generals were bad. Bill Barr was bad. Jeff Sessions was bad, blah, blah. President of the United States could have made it clear unambiguously that that stuff had to be done, but for the same reasons he didn't go investigate Hillary Clinton. We're looking forward. Republicans, it doesn't matter if it's Trump, it doesn't matter if it's George W. Bush, it doesn't matter who it is. They all come in and say, we're looking forward, not backward. Well, that's great. That's all well and good. You don't notice the guy creeping up behind you about to stick you in the back with a big long knife, then. Congratulations. You're a hero. I say it all the time, and it's not something I'm proud of, I'm proud of that I came up with it because I think it's pretty good. But it's not a, a reality that I'm particularly proud of. But all the high road gets you in politics is a really nice, unobstructed view of your defeat. That's it. You've got to hold their feet to the fire. You've got to hold them to the same standards they hold you. Or worse, you've got to give them a giant dose of their own medicine. That they whine and complain that their own medicine is a spiky suppository is beside the point. 
they started it. It's your obligation to finish it, not continue it, not prolong it, to finish it. It's amazing how when the people get a dose of their own medicine, they suddenly sing a different tune. They suddenly want to play a different game. They sit there and say, well, wait a second, we didn't mean this. This is wrong. You get rid of the filibuster for everything except the Supreme Court, and you tell them because the left wanted to pack the courts. And they say, well, we, uh, we got all these nominations going through, but if you do this, there's not going to be any real justification. The only reason, by the way, Democrats didn't get rid of the filibuster for the Supreme Court was because there were no Supreme Court nominees at the time. That's it. There were no Supreme Court nominees Obama was trying to ram through at the time when Harry Reid was in charge of the Senate. They would have done it. They stopped short so they could later on claim pearl-clutching, oh my goodness, fainting couch status when Republicans did it. Oh, can you believe they've gotten rid of the filibuster? You mean the filibuster you got rid of for everything except for this because it wasn't relevant at the time? Yeah, that. Now, Democrats were warned, don't do this. You're going to set a precedent you're going to have to live by. But Democrats always, always, they're a lot like Hitler in many ways, including all the policy ones. But Hitler was convinced that it was going to be a thousand-year Reich. He could not envision a scenario in which the Nazis lost power in Germany. He probably couldn't even envision a scenario in which he grew old and died. Thank God he didn't. But you know, you plan for the future. He thought he would probably live forever. His thousand-year Reich didn't last all that long, did it? But he'd made plans. This was how it was. He could not, again, envision a world that that didn't happen. Well, Democrats cannot envision a world where they are not the majority, where they are not in charge. It's because in their worlds, the people they choose to associate with all agree with them. Everybody else is ostracized and run away from them. They want nothing to do with people who do not agree with them. You do not hold progressive views. You are not currently in the midst of forcibly injecting your uh, prepubescent child with human growth hormones or estrogen or puberty blockers or whatever. Um, you are not welcome in there. You can, I suppose you could be in there if you're childless as long as you can provide proof that you've at least paid for an abortion. And you strenuously, to the point of almost giving yourself fractures, bone fractures, applaud all the other parents in the room who are currently forcibly transitioning their children in the name of tolerance and joy and love as the kid begins to resent them and eventually kills themselves. Yeah, that's the world that they live in. That's the world they constructed for themselves. So in that world, they are, in fact, the majority. You give somebody the choice, do you want to agree with me or do you want to be destroyed socially, financially, and every other way conceivable? Well, gee, I'll just agree with you. Why? Because if you're just being honest in your own little selfish world, in the world in which you inhabit, your daily life, your home, your commute back and forth to work, your grocery store, your whatever it is, hanging out with your friends, the liberal agenda does not impact you directly all that much. Your children are likely sane and look at and listen to these left-wing radical teachers who are trying to groom young children and think you're insane. They're crazy. I don't want anything to do with them. And they come home and they have they, they don't even need to be deprogrammed because you had so properly pre-programmed to be rational thinking human beings. So directly your life isn't impacted by it. 
if the people down the block transition their kid from whatever to whatever and go around patting themselves on the back at left-wing cocktail parties about how progressive they are, my life is not impacted at all. I could keep silent about it. My children will not go down that road. My children will not be allowed to even contemplate that. And anybody around them who even tries to inform them about the what's down that road, not even the joys of what is down that road, will be uh, exercised from our lives post-haste in all of my six-foot-five glory, I will make it clear to them that if they even are on the same side as my child, the street as my child, they really need to put their head on a swivel and make sure I'm not anywhere around or they need to get the hell out of there. It's that simple. You pull that crap with my kids and you will be my enemy. And if you are my enemy, you are my enemy for the rest of your life till you move away or die. And then I might even pee on your grave a little bit. That's just how it is. You make that abundantly clear. You mess with someone's kids. You mess with your kids. So your life isn't impacted by this stuff. So you sit there and you could take the liberal approach on most things and go, well, it doesn't impact me. I don't care. They care about things that, uh, you know, because they're busybodies. But in general, they don't genuinely care about these other kids. They don't care. They wouldn't allow. No, no rational person would allow genital mutilation. It wasn't that long ago. Whenever there'd be an occasional case of genital mutilation in a Muslim community in the United States of America, what happened? There was universal outrage and condemnation, and now it's the mainstream. Now it's the mainstream of the Democratic Party. It really is true. Look it up. About 10, 15 years ago, Every once in a while, there'd be somebody caught trying to mutilate, usually, always, actually, a, uh, a young girl's genitals in the name of religious liberty or something like that, and they would fight and stop it. And the left would unite and say, this is horrible. You'd be removing the, the woman's ability to enjoy sex. You don't have to like it, blah, 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 but you cannot do this. No religious freedom argument was tolerated or accepted. Now a religious freedom argument is made by these very same people. That religious freedom is progressivism. That is the religion. That is their God. And so they cheer it. And so you look at these people and the world they've constructed and the likeness that they tolerate, and that's the only thing they tolerate, is assimilation. You wonder, how is it these people manage to claim the mantle of rebel? Conformity is not rebellion. Conformity is the opposite of rebellion, yet that is what the Democratic Party insists on, demands absolute 100% conformity, and they get it. Somebody goes another direction, they are out, and they are ready to be destroyed. All the while, everything that Republicans are doing, there's nothing unprecedented about what Republicans are doing. Nothing unprecedented about what Republicans did when it came to the filibuster and the nominations for the Supreme Court. There is nothing unprecedented about the impeachment inquiry Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy announced today. Nancy Pelosi did the exact same thing in the exact same way against Donald Trump before the 2020 
election over the phone call with the Ukrainian President Zelensky. Remember that? It's a quid pro quo. He threatened to withhold aid. And then you got the transcript. And there was literally nothing remotely close to that. But Democrats were already pot committed and the media didn't give a damn. They were all in. They were all in. They wanted an impeachment. They hated Donald Trump. They hate Republicans. They went down that road with them. It was ultimately folly, but and Democrats were warned, hey, you start lowering the bar on impeachment to crap like this, and you're going to come one day to regret it. No, we'll never. Because why? Because just like Hitler and his thousand-year Reich, Democrats, when they have power, act as though they're going to have power forever, mostly because they have no intention of ever giving it up. They just realize at the last minute they don't have the popular support to pull off the coup and refuse to, take, uh, refuse to leave power. But they, lacked, they act as though they're never going to face resistance in any way, shape, or form. Pass Obamacare. The polls clearly and unambiguously said the American people don't want this thing. And what do they do? They did it anyway. Why? Because why not? Because who the hell are they? A lot of Republicans would ne- wouldn't vote for repealing Obamacare because they were cowards. Democrats knew they were going to lose their seats. They didn't care. Push it forward. Push it through. This is what democracy looks like. No, that's not what democracy looks like. Democracy is decidedly not, not the imposition of your will over somebody else's will. That's not what democracy is. Anyway, the Speaker of the House used the Pelosi rule and announced that there would be an impeachment inquiry into Joe Biden and his business dealings with Hunter Biden and all of the corruption involved in the uh, Biden family business, at least the, the appearance of corruption. Again, if Democrats are absolutely cocksure that there was nothing going on here, then they should welcome this. They should charge right toward this as quickly as possible. Let's go. Let's dig into this. I want to show the world just how innocent Joe Biden is. Instead, they have subtly changed their tune. It's really amazing when this happens. I always cite this because it's the most obvious example. When George W. Bush nominated or chose Dick Cheney to be his running mate, there was one simple word that went everywhere in the media. It was nonstop. I'd never heard the word before. Not knowingly, anyway, but up until then, in 19, I guess it was 2000, once Dick Cheney was chosen, it was game on. It was absolute game on. And the word was gravitas. See, because the media narrative was George W. Bush was an idiot. And Dick Cheney, they couldn't say he was an idiot. So they had to use it to doubly attack George W. Bush. See, George W. Bush is such an idiot that he had to pick a running mate who wasn't an idiot. He chose Dick Cheney because he brought much-needed gravitas to the ticket. And everywhere within, I don't know, an hour of Dick Cheney's name being announced, Everywhere in the media was gravitas, gravitas, gravitas. He brings gravitas, gravitas, gravitas. 
and you couldn't escape it. And you go, how the hell did this happen? Well, back then they used to use fax machines, but they would fax out, the DNC would fax out talking points. One of the talking points was that Dick Cheney, George Bush had to pick somebody like Dick Cheney because he's not smart enough on his own. Gravitas. Gravitas was the word. Gravitas became the buzzword. The same thing happens over and over with the left. They find new... Remember Donald Trump's inauguration, inaugural address. What did they call it? It was a dark speech. It was a dark... Remember that was a dark speech. Not, Chris Matthews referred to it as Hitlerian and dark. Dark, dark, dark. Now, it wasn't dark. It was, we're no longer going to be afraid. We're no, you know, think of it what you will, but dark isn't one of them. It was a better days are ahead speech. But it was labeled as dark because they needed it to be labeled as dark because anything hopeful associated with a Republican would be uh, damaging to a Democrat. So they went with dark, dark, dark. Now we have a new buzzword that has entered the lexicon and it's, you're going to see, well, it's not a new buzzword, it's a new way of putting things that is going to be all the rage amongst media types because the alternative would be to almost risk being honest and talking about the Biden family business. They used to say there's no evidence of Joe Biden's involvement in, first of all, it was, there was, Joe Biden is not involved, was never involved with Hunter Biden's businesses. That was the first iteration. Then it became, there's no evidence that Joe Biden was involved in Hunter Biden's businesses. No evidence. Now, there's not being involved. He was never involved. He is not involved. And then there's no evidence of being involved. Those are different. It's a subtle difference, but it's different. Now it's evolved again. Because why? Because there was a whole lot of circumstantial evidence, a whole lot of um, speculation before it, and caused the Democrats to have to change their, uh, their, their arguments, their semantical arguments. Now they've changed it again. They've added another word, a qualifier. This is what we call moving of the goalposts. And it is, it has gone from there's no evidence to there's no direct evidence. There's no direct evidence. Listen to Congressman Dan Goldman from, uh, I think it was on uh, MSNBC this morning. There is no evidence, none whatsoever, and I don't care how much they say otherwise. I have looked at it. There is no direct evidence that President Biden was involved in any way, shape, or form in Hunter Biden's business dealings. <laughs> no direct evidence. And I have looked into it. With all the curiosity of a guy who didn't want to be there, he didn't look into it. He didn't give a damn. His whole, this whole term of Joe Biden, every single Democrat has been denouncing, pronouncing, without looking, without asking a single serious question. There's no evidence. There's no evidence. No evidence. No evidence. No evidence. Now there's no direct evidence. Well, there's no direct evidence that O.J. Simpson cut off anybody's head all those years ago. No direct evidence at all. If you consider direct evidence to be eyewitnesses, a videotape, or a confession, then there's no direct evidence. There's all kinds of circumstantial evidence, which, by the way, is what most criminal convictions are uh, based on. 
circumstantial evidence. Most crimes, particularly violent crimes, murder, do not have witnesses. They don't have witnesses. So you rely on things like fingerprints. It's not really direct evidence. It's circumstantial. You Where were you? Your cell phone pinged off this tower. This tower is in the location roughly of where the thing was. What were you doing there? You told us you were somewhere else. All sorts of things. Not direct evidence. Circumstantial evidence. You gave an alibi. Your alibi fell apart. Therefore, we can infer that maybe you were where the murder took place, etc., etc. Not direct evidence but circumstantial, and enough circumstantial evidence can lead to a conviction. So Democrats have moved the bar yet again, and it's not just one stupid backbench congressman, although that would be enough. It is just like gravitas. It is how the world works. Kyle Griffin. Kyle Griffin used to work on the Rachel Maddow show. It's kind of funny. Rachel Maddow, champion of the left, Hero of the people. She had a staff on her show, right? Oh, yeah, no. Rachel Maddow got a gigantic raise to make $30 million a year to work one day a week. One day a week. And all her staff was like left going, what do we do? I don't know what happened to them. It's rather amazing to me how incurious the rest of the left-wing, liberal, union-loving, pro-worker media isn't interested in this. But Kyle Griffin used to be the producer for Rachel Maddow. Now he's uh, works on the Iman, whatever the hell his name is, and uh, the Mehdi Hassan show. He works on two different shows. So Rachel Maddow leaves and Kyle Griffin gets more work, has to work harder. Why didn't Rachel Maddow use some of her $30 million a year to hook up the staff so that maybe they could enjoy the fruits of their labor too? unless she's just the one who sits around and does all her conspiracy monologues completely by herself. Anyway, Kyle Griffin, back on August 11th, 2023, not all that long ago, being the tool shed that he had, the guy's a whole Home Depot. He's a Lowe's and a Home Depot right next to each other. He's that big of a tool. He tweeted out, Reminder, there is still no evidence linking Hunter Biden's alleged wrongdoing to President Biden. There's no evidence. No evidence. See, Back in August, meaning just a month ago, just a month and a day ago, actually, uh, the old talking point was still operative. No evidence. Now, a new month, a new talking point has been issued. And Kyle, for all the things that he is, he is a very obedient dog, a very good dog. He tweeted out, To be clear, the investigations haven't uncovered any direct evidence that Biden profited off his son's foreign work. Wait a second, that's a different, completely different thing that they're saying there. It's really illustrated by Kyle. Kyle's not particularly bright, so he illustrates it better than somebody who's really dumb, which is Congressman Goldman. But did you spot the subtle difference? There's still no evidence linking Hunter Biden's alleged wrongdoing to President Biden. There actually is. There's a whole bunch of text messages, circumstantial, and actually in the court of law, it would be considered direct evidence and would have to be refuted by Hunter himself. And that includes text messages along the lines of, uh, I have to give half my income to my dad 
or other text messages. Another favorite is I'm sitting right next to my father right here. The one about his overseas business quote, I am sitting here with my father and we would like to understand why the commitment made has not been fulfilled. Meaning why haven't we gotten the money? Tell the director that I would like to resolve this now before it gets out of hand. And now means tonight. And Z, I'll I'll get a call or a text from anyone involved. If I get a call or a text from anyone involved in this other than you, Zhang, or the chairman, I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me, again, his father, and every person he knows... Every person he knows leveraging Joe Biden's position and, and career and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction. I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father. Three mentions of his father. There, it's the closest he's ever come to uh, uh, giving three our fathers in his whole life. Devout Catholic Hunter Biden there. But no, there's no direct evidence in these morons minds. No direct evidence, because the direct evidence would be what? Hunter Biden breaking down and crying and confessing to it? Or that would probably be circumstantial evidence as well. And then they, you'd watch them turn on Hunter right away. He's just a junkie. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's afraid of prison, blah, blah, blah. The, to them, direct evidence would be Joe Biden confessing. It'll be interesting to see where this impeachment inquiry goes. I hope that they put serious people in the forefront and keep unserious people out of the limelight I doubt that they will I doubt that they'll be able to but it would be nice Republicans have a golden opportunity here I know some people are like well this isn't going to go anywhere This is it probably won't go anywhere but it will at least get evidence out into the public sphere out into the public sphere is where this evidence needs to go provided you don't have a bunch of clowns running this show. That would be a problem if they did. It's not about getting the conviction unless you've got, if you've got the evidence and the Democrats still vote against it in the Senate, then so be it. So be it. That's the way it works. But the American public will see that evidence and draw their own conclusions and hopefully punish Democrats for their impudence if they in fact engage in it. You can't live in fear of, well, we're never going to get a conviction. So what's the point? The point is you now have congressional subpoena power. The point is you can unleash the investigators to get to the bottom of things. You can demand records that departments have been cutesy about sharing with Congress and their oversight capacity. This is different from oversight capacity. Things can change provided we don't let the idiots have the keys to the car. That's the big if. Speaking of idiots, CNN has a fact checker. You wouldn't know it by what goes on the air at CNN, but they're not designed to fact check CNN. Those are normally called editors. They don't apparently have those over at CNN. And this is a guy named uh, Daniel Dale. And he was on with, I don't know, somebody, some blonde chick, or I don't Brooke, I don't know. doesn't matter. He was fact-checking Joe Biden for once. It had to be an awkward position for Danny Dale. He is a committed leftist, and he is, a, again, a very obedient dog. But every once in a while, they have to dip their toe into 
fact-checking a Democrat because lest their audience go, wait a second, all you do is fact-check Republicans and declare everything to be a lie. So they do this every once in a while. In this case, I want to play you this clip just because I want you to hear the lengths to which these people will go to avoid using the word lie in conjunction with Joe Biden. Joe Biden lies constantly about himself, about his policies, about his, we've cut the deficit, that's a lie. I was arrested going to see Nelson, that's a lie. I marched in the civil rights movement, that's a lie. My son, Bo, died in Iraq, that's a lie. There's pretty much, you know, I don't know what it isn't in this guy's life. My wife was killed by a drunk driver, that was a lie. He knew it was a lie. He knew all these things were lies, these were part of his life. I bet I have a much higher IQ than you do. I got a full scholarship to go. He didn't. There's a lie. Listen to Daniel Dale fact check some of the president's recent statements, and he picks the most innocuous ones. One that's glaringly missing is the lie that he tells every Gold Star family member that his son died in Iraq, that he lost his son in Iraq. He says, you know, he got he greeted the flag draped coffin of his son, blah, blah. It didn't happen. It did not happen. His son died in the United States years after serving for a short period of time in Baghdad as a jag. But Joe lies because he's a liar. CNN avoids that. CNN also avoids using the word lie. They use euphemisms like he embellishes. He just embellishes. Listen to this crap. He has done, I don't know if it's similar things, but he's sort of told some stories that don't line up quite like this before. Yeah, this president has a a pattern at this point of either inventing or embellishing stories about his own past, his biography. He did it three times in one speech last month alone. Uh, He claimed he had witnessed a bridge collapse in Pittsburgh when he actually showed up about six hours later. He claimed that his grandfather had died just days before he was born himself at the same hospital. In fact, his grandpa died more than a year before in a different state, not not the same hospital. Um, And... uh, And he also repeated a favorite false story that I and others have debunked over and over again about a supposed conversation with an Amtrak train conductor he was friends with, who was actually deceased at the time the conversation would have had to take place. And that's not all. There are some more serious ones, in in my view. Uh, Previously in his presidency, he claimed at one point he'd been arrested during a civil rights protest when, in other versions of the story, he just said an officer had taken him home uh, from a protest. He said he had visited the, the Pittsburgh synagogue where worshippers were killed in a 2018 mass shooting. In fact, he had actually spoken to the rabbi uh, but never but never went um, and he, he's made a whole bunch of others too uh, he said at one point Republicans like to bring this up he said that he used to drive a tractor trailer he used to drive an 18-wheeler never happened the White House later clarified he used to drive a school bus at one point for as a, as a job briefly school bus of course not an 18-wheeler so whatever his intentions whether it's you know foggy memory about stuff that's going on decades ago or deliberate embellishment this is an unfortunate pattern that keeps coming up again and again with Joe Biden it's just an unfortunate embellishment. You know, it's one of those things. He's just a foggy memory. Fog- Everything about his life is foggy. See, that's dementia. That's dementia, Daniel. If you really want to be honest, that's what dementia is. You're foggy about everything. But if you repeatedly 
say something you know not to be true. We do have a word for that already, and it is lie, but that word is not used in this CNN report. They won't go anywhere near it. They step back like it's a rattlesnake, and they just go, oh, all right, well, we're not going to, it's not a lie. It's not a lie if Joe Biden believes it. He's just misremembering every little single detail of his life. Huh. It's weird how that works, isn't it? None dare call it dementia. None dare call it dementia. None dare call it much of anything, though, do they? Honestly. Not over at CNN. Daniel Dale has watched other colleagues get fired for things like, I don't know, accidentally telling the truth. He's not about to go anywhere near that. Not that it's in his nature, but yeah, this is, this is CNN. God. I want to play you something here now. This is uh, three minutes long, but it just illustrates what we're dealing with and the culture war front. I know there's a lot of conservatives out there, a lot of Republicans out there going, let's lay off the culture war crap. Let's do this. Let... Now, the culture war is what matters. It matters immensely. It's huge. People care about this. Back to what I was saying. You've you got a trans kid down the block. Your life probably isn't impacted by that. Some abusive liberal parent trying to transition their kid down the street. You care because it's the right thing to do. You care because it's the right thing to do, to defend the defenseless, to defend children as best you can, to try and prevent these little mangalas from butchering their children for the social status or falling for these latest trends and just butchering their children because it's it's the in thing to do. And I'm like, well, it must be true because other, look, those Hollywood stars would not do this if it weren't true. It, they would. They're stupid. They're stupid. They're, let your kid, be, if your kid is 25 years old and wants to go for it, go for it. Your kid's screwed up and probably needs professional help, but I don't care about a 25-year-old. They're old enough to make their own decisions. A five-year-old is not. A 10-year-old is not. And you get all of this literature, all these books in elementary schools that conservatives are saying have no business being in these schools because they have no business being in these schools. They are sex manuals. They are grooming manuals. They are, and the, the language in this is going to be crude because Senator Kennedy, Kennedy reads from two of these books directly. And he reads from two of these books to the Illinois Secretary of State, a guy named Alexei Giannoulis. Giannoulis, I think is how you pronounce it. Now, Alexei is a champion. He pushed through an anti-book banning law in Illinois to make sure that these books remain in schools. So he's getting, again, a big dose of his own medicine. Senator Kennedy, to his credit, is able to read this stuff. One of the books is Gender Queer. To this guy, and this guy is wildly uncomfortable and says as much. I want you to listen to this exchange because Democrats don't even know what the hell they're fighting for. They just know that Republicans are opposed to this and so they're in favor of it. They don't know. They don't care. It doesn't matter. They wouldn't, if they caught their kids with this literature, with these books, they would absolutely throw a fit. But because Republicans are against it, they're automatically for it. Let's take two books 
that have been much discussed. Um, the first one is called All Boys Aren't Blue. And I will quote from it. I put some lube on and got him on his knees. And I began to slide into him from behind. I pulled out of him and kissed him while he masturbated. He asked me to turn over while he slipped a condom on himself. This was my ass, and I was struggling to imagine someone inside me. He got on top and slowly inserted himself into me. It was the worst pain I think I have ever felt in my life. Eventually, I felt a mix of pleasure with the pain. Close quote. All boys aren't blue. The second is a, a, another much discussed book. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's called Gender Queer. Okay. Let me read an excerpt from that. Quote. I got a new strap-on strap harness today. I can't wait to put it on you. It will fit my favorite dildo perfectly. You're going to look so hot. I can't wait to have your cock in my mouth. I'm going to give you the blowjob of your life. Then I want you inside of me. End quote. Now. Mr. Secretary, what are you asking us to do? Are you suggesting that only librarians should decide whether the two books that I just referenced should be available to kids? Is that what you're saying? No. Okay. Tell me what you're saying. Well, uh First of all, th there's this. Don't give me a speech. Tell me what you're asking will, me to do. With all due respect, Senator, and, uh, the words you spoke are disturbing, especially coming out of your mouth is very disturbing. But I would, I would also tell you that we're not advocating for kids to read porn, to Senator Booker's what point. What are you advocating for? We are advocating for parents, random parents, not to have the ability, under the guise of keeping kids safe, to try and challenge the world view of every single manner on these issues. Oh, see, you know, on, he, those words are very disturbing. Yeah, well, he, 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 you cheered them. You defended them. You kept them in school libraries in Illinois. Congratulations. No, no, we don't want very few parents to uh, have... Okay, so you're giving very few parents the right to force other kids' exposure to this. All right. Now, which side do you want to fall on? Think about it. There are two sides. A small group of parents saying this stuff has no place in public schools, not wanting to ban it, but they don't want their kids being exposed to it. It's inappropriate. Other parents say, no, 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 this is highly appropriate or whatever. We need this kept in the schools. Well, then those parents are forcing their will on the other parents, are they not? See, there's one group of parents that says this doesn't belong in the public schools. You can have it 
in their home. You can buy it all you want. Hell, you can have your kid bring it to school if they want, but the school library shouldn't stock it. This isn't for third graders. This is insane. This is a how-to-commit-statutory-rape manual. Those parents are saying to the other parents who seemingly weirdly want their kids to read this crap, which is disturbing in and of itself, that, you know, you can have this stuff at home if that's what you want. If that's your kink, I don't care. I just don't want it in the public schools. I don't want my kids exposed to it. The other side is saying, no, I want your kids exposed to it. I want your kids exposed to it. Those are the two choices, really. It is a binary thing. You want kids exposed to this sort of crap, or do you not want kids exposed to this sort of crap? If you don't, you're normal, and you're on the side of the parents here. If you do want kids exposed to this, you're a Democrat. That's it. That's who the, the attorney general is defending. That's whose side he's taking, is we want children exposed to this stuff. They're not going to come out and say it. Who are you to ban? You're banning, but they're not banning books. Books are still for sale. You can have whatever book you want at home. Your kid can carry whatever book they want in their backpack to school, except the Bible. You bring that out, and then they'll call in a SWAT team and evacuate the school, fumigate it. But you want to bring, you know, the how-to lube manual? It's all in. The teachers' union will support you. See, that's the difference here. One side is actually seeking to impose their will on the other side. They always say, well, it's the conservatives. They want to make this decision for every parent. They're not making that decision for every parent. You're free to go to Amazon and buy whatever you want. You go to Barnes & Noble, buy whatever you want. You can carry it around. You can read it at your kids' bedtime stories every single freaking night if that's what you so desire. But they don't want their kids exposed to it. Why? Because it's freaking gross. And it is a grooming manual. Oh, I know. It's not a Shut up. We know what you're all about. You don't care about kids. You care very deeply about sticking a thumb in the eye of Republicans. That's all you really give a damn about. Let's be honest. But these are the two sides. The guy who's the biggest champion, the guy Democrats brought to Washington, D.C. to testify on their behalf, to be their witness in the Senate, and they're the majority in the Senate was confronted with the words that he defended, the works that he's defended, says, that's disturbing coming out of your mouth. That stuff is... So did you not ever investigate what it was that you were defending? Apparently not. Again, because the liberals' knee-jerk reaction is simply to be the opposite of whatever it is a Republican does or says. Republican says this is disgusting, has no place in school. Then suddenly... The Democrats are insisting it is imperative for the very concept of liberty that these pieces of crap end up in schools. See how that works? It's disgusting, really, because nowhere in there on the Democratic side is there any concern whatsoever with what is in the best interest of the children. None. I would say they they stopped caring, but they never really did. They've gotten much worse, but they never really did care. Anyway, that is enough for today, I must say, I think. Have a great Wednesday. Don't forget patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or DerekHunter.locals.com. You never know what's going to come up on the Weekend F and Review, but this stuff seems like as good a place as any to start. We also have the contest going Trent Lott versus Gene Hackman in the autographed book Battle of the Week. 
Don't forget to enter that five bucks a month. Please support the program. Thank you for listening. I'll see you tomorrow.